Moses is up on Mount Sinai while the people wait in the valley below. But in their impatience, they sin against God, as Aaron helps them break one of the Ten Commandments on The Bible Brief. Did you know that The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show? Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. Moses has been gone for weeks. After that covenant ratification ceremony, God called him up to the top of the mountain again, and he's been up there for day after day, week after week. Maybe something happened to him. Maybe that fire on top of the mountain burned him up when he got too near it. Maybe. What were the people supposed to do now? After weeks without so much as a word from Moses, and with no action from that fire or smoke on top of the mountain, it seemed like something should happen. They couldn't just spend their lives at the bottom of this mountain, even if they were still given that bread from heaven and water from the rock to sustain them. And soon, an idea crept into their minds. That idea turned into a whisper, and that whisper into a suggestion. The suggestion turned into a conversation, and that conversation turned into a movement in the camp of the Israelites. Finally, a group of them went to Aaron and gave voice to this wicked idea. An idea that would have devastating consequences on the nation. We read this in Exodus chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. If you're like me as you read that, you're saying, No, Aaron, stop. What are you doing? But he does it. He makes a calf out of some of the gold that Israel had gained from plundering the Egyptians. Perhaps ironically, the gold from the Egyptians was used to make an idol like they'd witnessed during their slavery in Egypt. Egyptian resources to make Egyptian idols. Now, as you may remember, the people and their leader Aaron are breaking at least one of the Ten Commandments that God had spoken to the nation from that billowing, thundering smoke on Mount Sinai. Remember, God had said this, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. This commandment forbade making something like a golden calf and bowing down to it, making an altar before it and worshiping it. It was a way that God was being rejected by Israel. Now there's some debate among readers of the Bible whether this golden calf was intended to be a different God from Yahweh or if this was an image intended to represent Yahweh. 
But in either case, this was a violation of the commandment that God had directly given to the people. The people, led by Aaron, violated one of the most basic rules of the covenant agreement, the covenant that they had ratified with God a mere 40 days prior. Already, they had violated their end of the agreement. And God knows it. The scene immediately shifts to the top of Mount Sinai, where God tells Moses what's happening in the valley in front of the mountain. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. God sees what Israel has done. He sees that they have violated the commandment, and he's ready to utterly destroy them, leaving only Moses. These stiff-necked people won't humble themselves to obey God's laws despite His amazing acts of salvation on their behalf. God is content to just start over with Moses. But Moses, for his part, appeals to the promises of God on behalf of this rebellious people in the valley below. Next we read this. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, With evil intent did God bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. God responds with mercy toward the people because of the actions of Moses. Moses here appeals to God by faith and by confidence in God's faithfulness to his promises. He says in effect, God, you promised to multiply the offspring of our ancestors, and you promised to bring them to the land of Canaan. Not only that, but do you want the nations saying that Yahweh merely saved Israel to destroy them after they'd been released from their Egyptian bondage? Moses is appealing to God's fame, and especially to God's promises. Requests made in faith on behalf of the stiff-necked people. And God does not carry out the penalty for covenant violation on the people. He doesn't because of Moses. Now put yourself in Moses' shoes for a moment. Just 40 days prior, he had left the people under the charge of two men, including Aaron, his brother. And he'd come up to not only receive more laws from God for the nation, but he'd come up to receive a memorial of the Ten Commandments that God had spoken to the nation. In fact, at the end of those 40 days, we read this in Exodus chapter 31. God gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So as Moses finds out about the golden calf, after 40 days of speaking with God 
and receiving stone tablets of the Ten Commandments carved by God Himself. Moses had every reason to look down on the people in judgment and hostility. After all, he'd been grumbled at, he'd been nearly killed as he led them in the wilderness so far. He had to endure the complaining, while God continued to provide miracle after miracle. But Moses chose to honor God and honor God's promises through his expression of faith, rather than seize the opportunity for vengeance on those who had wronged him. But that doesn't mean that Moses wasn't angry. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory, or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. As Moses comes down the mountain to confront the people with his assistant Joshua, they begin to hear the orgiastic idol worship of the people, and his anger burns hot. He slams down the stones of the Ten Commandments and makes the people drink the powdered gold remnants of the calf that he quickly destroys. The people didn't need any other visuals to see that they had violated their covenant with God. And next, Moses turns to his brother Aaron in his anger. How could he do this, of all people? And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Did you catch what Aaron just said? He said, I threw the gold into the fire, and out came this calf. He has no one else to blame, so he blames the fire itself for producing this calf idol for the people. It would be funny if it weren't such a sad display of awful leadership. And not only did Aaron produce this calf, but he allowed this pagan style of sensual, loose worship among the people a style of worship that emphasized shameful nakedness rather than covering over it. On seeing this, Moses is incensed with rage against the people for dishonoring the covenant and their God in this grotesque way, and Moses' anger turns into fierce judgment on the people. When Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about three thousand men of the people fell. And Moses said, 
Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. 3,000 people dead because of this faithless act in this egregious violation of the Sinai covenant. 3,000. 3,000 seems like a lot, but keep in mind, it's less than 1% of the judgment that God had formerly stated to Moses while he was up on the mountain. 3,000 is almost nothing next to 2 million. But soon, after this judgment has been complete, Moses again does another amazing act on behalf of the people. The most selfless request imaginable. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now... If you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Moses, in effect, says this. He says, I will give up my life, my eternal life, for the people here in this valley. God, make me the one who bears the punishment for their sin. Just please forgive them. Despite Moses' fury at their sin, he still expresses a selfless love towards those stiff-necked people. A love that anticipates a love that we find later in the Bible, 1,500 years later, on a cross in the land of Canaan. A love not just for a stiff-necked people of Israel, but a love for the whole world. But in this case with Moses, God rejects his offer, and instead says this, The Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. God here sends another judgment on the people next. Another judgment that fulfills a promise that he had said before. He had promised that if they violated his law, he would send a plague upon them like he had plagued the Egyptians. The nation of Israel has been judged, and yet the nation has received mercy to the nth degree. It wasn't two million people who died that day. It wasn't just Moses who was left. No, God allowed these people to live, and he allowed them to live for perhaps one reason. Because God is good for His promises. And despite the stiff-necked rebellion of the people of Israel, He would yet fulfill His promises through them. Promises of land, seed, and blessing to all the nations of the world. Promises of a serpent crushed. Promises of a king. Join us next time as we see God's method of worship, a method of worship involving a tent, these Levites, and reminders of the garden from long ago. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. 
Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.